Eels off the top. Larkham. Herbert smashes through the middle. Gregan. Drop goal from Larkham. Up it goes. Could you believe it? Larkham has to be a De Beer. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Green and Gold Rugby Show. Remembering we're the podcast that's getting you over the game line on the hottest topics of Australian rugby. It's been a month or maybe a little bit longer, but here we are back. And it's a special one for you tonight because we've got the old crew back in tow. Uh, and when we say old, just, you know, that colloquial old, not necessarily that old. Well, maybe some of us. Matt Rowley, how are you, Matt? <laughs> you know, oh, I threw to you straight away there. <laughs> Yes, I think we all got the message in there. No, I'm good, mate. You just catch me here just finishing up my uh, GoFundMe page. Um, so I've literally just pressed launch. Um, but uh, so I'll be even better after that's got going. Well, we should talk about that, the irony of, of that and some of Green and Gold Rugby's plans. But um, the other guest joining us is, of course, Hugh Cavill. How are you going, Hugh? I'm good. I'm good, Reg. I, I would say I think we're all old enough to remember when Australia was competitive in Super Rugby. I think that's a... Uh, Something that we can probably all identify. If this is just another segue to talk about 2014, I'm out of here already. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it it started early. Oh, you get to talk 2011 as well. That was was yes, exactly. Yeah, hasn't been that long. Um, Lads, uh, a lot happening, and and, and obviously we've got to talk about it. um, But we've got our five burning questions for the night. Um, Question one is for Lau. Is there anything new to talk about? Um, Question two: The Brumbies can they win it? They've got the task from hell ahead of them. Uh, but can they can they win the whole thing this weekend, but then also beyond? Question three, the under-20s, what does it mean for Australian rugby? The uh, grand finalists are losing to France over there. Uh, question four, looking back on the super rugby scene, and who, the Aussie bolter for the Wallabies, or who changed, who did you have to change your opinion on this season? Who impressed you or surprised you? Um, and question five, we just want to talk about the off-field stuff again. Foxtel supposedly going broke or losing money. And how's that going to look for Australian rugby um, moving forward. Um, but the first one, and look, I think a couple of us didn't necessarily want to talk about this, but when we talk about talking about the hottest topics in Australian rugby, there is no hotter topic in uh, Australian sport at the moment, probably. Um, and that's Izzy Falau. It's an interesting one, lads, just as a lead in, and I'm, I might go to you soon, Matt, just to sort of start us off. But uh, I don't know what else there is to talk about. It, it's, it's blanket coverage at the moment. And I maintain the podcast that you two and Jamie did back when this all started was was as good as commentary as I've heard on the on the topic. It was reasoned. It it it, it looked at both sides, and and um, I thought it covered it extremely well. I don't, I don't know what else to say other than you know it's frustrating that it's still going. It's mind boggling some of the things that are happening, some of the opinions out there, and even some of the developments. Um, in I guess probably the Falau camp of late around the the GoFundMe and now the secondary page which from all reports today being Tuesday we're recording this it's first day of being open it's already cracked the million dollar mark so um, some astounding stuff happening Matt where are you as it currently stands on this whole uh, fiasco? Well I think the thing that it does tell us and I, I guess you know back to that last podcast we did about this is less about Falau or sport, but about society and, and kind of where we're at. And, you know, uh, I, like, you know, the fact that, first of all, his first page got to 750, but then they've managed to get the second one up and it's now past a million. I mean, I look, you know, if he'd said to me, you know, 
well, when I saw that that had happened, I was like, oh, this thing's going to peter out a couple of hundred grand. Who's going to put their hands in their pocket for this? And and so I, I think the thing that it's kind of talking to is this, and, and I actually really don't like the phrase, but I guess I'm probably going to alienate people by saying that or maybe listening on the podcast, but these, what are they, are they calling them the quiet Australians? Is that, is that, isn't that the phrase they're using, which is, and it's because, and the reason I don't like it is because it, it really sounds very uh, sort of Trumpian. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. it was the same thing that happened in the States when, you know, everyone goes, oh, there's no way on, on this earth Donald Trump can win, you know, the presidency and um, goes, goes right ahead and does it. And then, you know, they go, oh, it's going to be a complete clean out you know, in the midterms and, and then it isn't. Um, yep. So, and, and each time they kind of go, oh, all right. So there's one thing that the polls tell you and then there's another thing when it really comes to putting down your vote. And then it would seem that it, it also, when it comes down to even laying down some cash, um, you know, for, for people to have shelled out, you know, like a, a million bucks already. Um, when it was at, I remember looking on the GoFundMe and when he was at about, I don't know what it was, it was about, 600,000, I think there was like 6,000 people who donated. So these are people on average giving a hundred bucks. Yeah. Um, You know, it's not like, you know, twos and fives. Um, And I look, I just, I thought that was, that was quite remarkable. So whereas you might've thought this thing was just going to fizzle away and, and like, you know, be pretty, the the public would be pretty apathetic to it when it came to putting their hands in their pocket. Um, That's not been the case. And anyway, so it's, it's, it's what it says more broadly, actually. Um, and, and, and the fact that we've started to see, and, you know, the bloody pollies, like they're just watching where they, where oh, is there a fissure. Absolutely. Yep. You know, and where can they find a little crack that they can wedge into? And there's a whole bunch of them, dog, dog whistling and doing all sorts around this. Um, so I, I just think it's a fascinating, if slightly scary societal sort of issue. Yeah, it's interesting. I know Dan Leo, who's the, um, I think, former Samoan international who's very involved in Pacific welfare and, and so on, sort of shed a few tweets the other day saying, he, he, saying he'd have no doubt that the Tongan community will get behind. Is either very um, that way inclined in terms of being supportive, not necessarily, um, you know, they've obviously got a, a traditional religious beliefs there, but they're very supportive of, of Israel, Israel and their own Um the, the the standout thing for me has been the, the the PR side of things, and any article you saw online or on Facebook, most of the responses, you know, there, there were a substantial lot of responses very positive to, towards Izzy. You know, Rugby Australia doing the wrong thing. Um, you know, there are still some negatives and all that sort of stuff, but a, a lot of support for Izzy. Putting aside the fact he's raised a million dollars, and I think there's a there's um you know a few other things happening there to to make that money. The response to this, and I guess the initial GoFundMe, has been incredibly negative online. I mean, um, the numbers I've seen of just outrage over it, and and people on my feed who I had never spoken rugby about or seen discuss rugby who are outraged by it or um, uh, this you know supposed millionaire with. What a, a property um, portfolio through New South Wales or through Sydney and driving sports cars um, dares to uh, raise funds um, for his own legal case. Uh, so it's an interesting, even I guess, PR uh, uh, approach by uh, Izzy and his team, um, and not quite sure if it's worked or whether it's um, 
whether the outcome is, is what they're looking for. There might be bigger picture outcomes that this type of organisation and, and this latest um, mob that's behind, I think, the Australian Christian Lobby Group or whatever. Um, Hugh, where do you stand at the moment and, and uh, these latest developments and, and where it's going? Oh, look, I'm, I'm probably a bit fatigued by it all, to yeah. be honest. I'm, I think it's 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 um it's becoming less and less about rugby by the day isn't it you know 100%. and it's now morphed into a far probably you know in some ways a far greater um you know debate and it's it's could well end up in the high court and you know that's going to take years if it does i mean what if i was israel falau and and i actually think the PR moves to, to go onto the GoFundMe's of the world has actually been quite clever because what it's making it about is essentially developing a coalition of people that are mm. on his side and yep. making it more than just him versus Rugby Australia, but it's actually about broader society and it's about religious people versus the rest. Yeah. And as it were, or, you know, that's an oversimplification, but, um, you know, people that are people that are concerned about religious freedoms and liberties against a, you know, an amorphous force of Qantas and Rugby Australia and sport and business and GoFundMe and all of these other things that they're deemed to be standing against that religious freedom. Um, If I were Israel Folau, the one thing that I think would be really interesting if he did was to be actually to drop the damages claim of the lawsuit. And, the reason I say that is this is more so far beyond what Rugby Australia, you know, how typical of Rugby Australia that probably, dare I say, through not much fault of their own, they've somehow stumbled upon a test case for the entire concept of religious freedom in Australian society. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, God, they can't, you know, Bernard Foley can't, can't kick, a pet, you know, kick from in front, but they also... Can't we just have someone rooting a dog or, or dog <laughs> around I mean, what have we got to... How do we manage to do this? <laughs> yes, yes, but yeah, the king to this fact is normally even these these most of these cases, by my understanding, are settled out of court. You know, it's settled before they get there. Um, and you know, Rugby Australia agree to pay out a, a part of his contract, which they sort of already have. It seems behind the scenes, but it seems Israel's is to to use a poor choice of words is hell bent on taking this to the high court. And so in that case, this is not about rugby anymore. This is about a broader societal, you know, can employee, employers fire employees for expressing religious beliefs? And, you know, the potential to bankrupt our sport is something that hangs over this like a dark cloud. Um, and, you know, if that were removed, I think you might see a slightly different approach to the issue. Anyway, that's probably a side note. It's something far broader than what we're going to discuss in this podcast. But, yes, the, the long and the short of it is, I'm pretty sick of it, and I'm just ready to for it to be over. But it could well be years before it is. And that's like, but going back to the point you just made there, which I think is completely right, is like, yeah, if you're railing, if you're railing Castle, you've got to be looking at this, just going, what, you know, like that whole Will Ferrell, wow, that escalated quickly, mm. um, sort of thing. It's like, how did we get here? Um, to your point, like, you know, yeah, I've, you know, I've managed a few. She's managed a few pretty curly things, you know, in rugby league and, and been involved in bits and bobs, but yeah, nothing that's got to this sort of size and and bizarreness. I mean, for the fourth winter sport, we we don't have to punch above our weight when it comes to <laughs> <laughs> when it comes I, to intrigue. I'll I'll finish my contributions on this. 
is Ralph allowed to put up a, a GoFundMe and is now raising money? I think the way the Rugby Australia should raise money is a uh, is a tour of the Sydney convicts. The the gay rugby club should put on exhibition games. Um, do one at Ballymore, one in you know, Sydney, and one in Melbourne, and just make it you know uh, donate <laughs> donate at the gate to come and watch and play the you know play an under twenties team or play someone and have have a gay rugby uh, exhibition game and see if we can put up some money <laughs> to to fund rugby Australia's legal defence. Uh, so you're relying on rugby Australia people getting a lot of people along to a rugby match there. That's, yeah, that's no, no. Oh, no. Or, they, or people could just attend a Wallabies game. I don't know. One of the two. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, the, the irony on this is, again, looking at it a bit lighter, Matt, is that you were looking at a GoFundMe for Green and Gold Rugby. Um, but the, the timing's a little bit negative, isn't it? It's not as if, given all the, the outrage on this, we can actually sort of really conceivably at the moment put that up um but you know it would be nice to get a little bit of a kick along well yeah look i got outvoted on that one i probably i probably still would have gone with it um it's uh, maybe that's the (laughs) maybe that's the media person in me um that you can you know try and ride on uh, what else is going on i mean at least we're in a good cause that was the whole idea right it's like um yeah it's and uh, it's not going to be funding any lawyers or protecting any of our property portfolios because yes, um, exactly. there are no property portfolios to protect. But, you yeah, know, we were talking about, I mean, yeah, just as a the slightly real aside, um, I think anyone who's been following the site for a while will know that the uh, technical infrastructure is more than creaking a little bit. And um, we actually last did this, oh, like, I think it was a couple of World Cups ago. This will be like this iteration's, you know, like uh, the, 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 both the front page or the blog and the forum. Um, we haven't done anything for, I think, for at least two World Cups. I think it was back in, uh, ooh, yeah, maybe even a bit, little bit longer. I want to say it was probably around about the 2013 Lions when we last did something. All right, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so things are, are creaking, which I think a lot of people have noticed. So, And uh, these days, even doing that cheap means it's going to cost us, I don't know, probably – you know, 20, 30 grand. So if there's either someone out there with a, a check they want to cut or um, someone who does this stuff, WordPress and Zenforo are the two platforms we're talking about, then feel free to stick your hand up. But um, or let us know what you think about us doing a bit of a GoFundMe. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, so are we completely out of whack? Do you reckon we should give it a shot? Um, I think most people would say that we give pretty good value for free. <laughs> yeah, exactly. um, and um, so, yeah, Sticking in a pineapple or a or a lobster to help keep it going might not be too too big an ask, but uh, yeah, no, we were having a bit of a joke about that. But that, yeah, there, there might be a GoFundMe page. <laughs> <laughs> we were thinking of it before Izzy was though. Um, <laughs> all right, let's move on to question two. And, and the you know there has been some really positive news stories for Australian rugby uh, this last week or so, and 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 one of them is the Brumbies. Um, survival in super rugby they're now into the semi-finals they had an excellent win over the sharks uh 38 to 13 uh, a, a brilliant first half in in particular um uh which we'll touch on but then they now have the tough ask of uh, i assume they'll be over there now uh flying to argentina and taking on the jaguars or the Haguardis. um i think saturday morning in fact nice and early saturday morning so a really tough ask. You couldn't ask for tougher. And if they win that, they'll have to fly it back and to New Zealand to take on either the Crusaders or the Hurricanes. So, um, Hugh, from your perspective, it, it's all against them. How do you feel about the Brumbies' chances uh, this weekend and then beyond? 
Well, I, I, I felt better before I learned that uh, Pete Samu was out with a hamstring yeah. injury. Yeah. Um, and look, they've got Lockie McCaffrey to step into that team. So, you know, you could argue it's no huge loss, but uh, he Samu was on fire on, on Saturday night. And um, so he, he's a big out. Look, the Brumbies travel way better than any other Australian team. Um, they, I, I, I want to say they ran the Jaguares quite close when they played them um, earlier this year. And I'm going to check that, Reg, if you don't know you off keep, the top of your head. You keep talking, mate. I'll look it up. Uh, um, and I know they've certainly won there in years past. So, you know, they, they travel way better than any other Australian team. So putting, you know, uh, it's certainly not beyond them, but the, the Haguaris are, are, are playing essentially, um, you know, the best they ever have. So it's a really daunting task. And, and the Brumbies are, are, are in good form. I think they've won seven or eight on the trot, maybe even nine. Um, again, another one for you to check, Reg. Unlike me not to do my research before coming on here. Um, but, <laughs> they've run seven um, on the trot. Seven on the trot, and the last loss they had was a twenty to fifteen loss to the Haguaris over there. So you're exactly right. So a bit of a bit of a vengeance mission here, I suppose. But um, look, I think I think what it is going to come back to for me is is that forward pack and that tight five, especially that was so impressive against the Sharks. Um, you know, Sam Carter and Rory Arnold were, were were playing really well, not only in attack but in defence with some of those choke tackles. Um, and I thought um, Alan Alatoa and Scott Seo and Falaf Inga were just superb. Um, you know, good at set piece and just fantastic around the field. So I, I think yeah, the the muscle in the engine room is going to have to be the, what drives the Brumbies um, as it's driven them in the back half of the season. And and then you know, giving some space for those backs. Because what, what we saw on Saturday with Tom Banks and Henry Spate and Tony Pulu is is if they can find, you know, half a yard of space, um, if the forwards can create that for them, then, then they can do damage. So, look, I, I think I think the, the Hags are, are, are probably, favorite, you know, going to be favourites and rightly so. But it's certainly not beyond the Brumbies. And you remember they, they've, they've travelled before and I think they won a semi-final in, in South Africa. Um, about probably would have been four or five years ago uh, to set up a final in New Zealand. So they've certainly um, can travel and can win semifinals on the road because they've done it before. Yeah, you make a good point about um, them on the road. They look they look a great unit at the moment, don't they? They're playing as a combination, very cohesive, as Ben Darwin would suggest. And I think that'll add to them. I think they'll enjoy getting on tour. I think that'll be a big focus of Laurie Fisher and Pete Hewitt, those guys, you know, the traditional rugby guys. This will be a big moment for them from a tour perspective. They'll be, you know, um, do a lot of stuff as a team. I suggest, you know, not a lot, necessarily a lot of stuff on the training paddock, just about, you know, reassuring their, their work as a team there. And I, I think they're every chance this weekend. I, I think they're playing so well. Samu's a huge loss, but like you say, McCaffrey fits in well. They've still got the, the other seven in that pack have been working so damn hard and so damn effectively, and McCaffrey slash Samu just add that sort of spit of spark or X factor to that to that back row position. So, uh, And then, like you say, the back line's pretty damn good. Matt, what about you? Do you think they're a chance? Yeah, look, look yes, because I think what the Brumbies have got that pretty much no other Australian team has had, including the Wallabies, is a bit of a plan B of, you know, if you get, if you find yourself stuck in a rut or you just need to bank, his, you know, bank five points, yeah, then then they've got it, right? They've just got that line-out drive. They've got somebody who can actually kick the ball 40, 50 metres into a corner 
and then a line-out drive that's, you know, if it, in uh, on a good day is pretty much unstoppable. And they'll stick three tries on you almost every game through it. And, like, you know, everyone, when, when we first started seeing this under um, Bernie Larkin, we all had a bit of a laugh that, you know, that was the attack strategy. And, unfortunately, at the time, it only seemed to be the only strategy. Yeah. But what they've done is built on top of that. And so, which gives them that flexibility of, you know, depending on the conditions, depending on the playing style, depending on the part in the game, you know, whatever it is, they can, they can go to it. And, and what a difference it makes, you know, it's like, you know, the best All Blacks team is when you had, you know, if it got a bit greasy or, or whatever, Dan Carter would just start kicking for corners and, um, you know, and just switch it up to a plan B. So, from that perspective, you know, when you get to the tight end of the comp playing top teams, then um, you say, yeah, they're probably our best chance, especially, as Hugh was saying, away from home. Um, against the Hags, though, it, it, it's a tough – it is a very tough ask because I think what potentially neutralises that little strike weapon they've got is a very, very gnarly Hags pack. Um, as, as we've seen, and, you know, you're, you're not guaranteed to get your more rolling against those guys. They've got a pretty good defence as well, depending how it's refereed. So, you know, that's the only problem is that I think the Hags might neutralise that weapon a little bit, um, which is probably the thing, you know. With, but, but, I mean, the, they went close 15-20, um, but that also says to me that it was, you know, if, well, if I remember it rightly, it's, it's not an easy thing to get going on the, on the Hags. Their, their pack's exceptional, and in particular, it's test quality. So that'll be a, a fantastic competition. Um, so the, the Jags got there with a 21-16 to 16 win over the Chiefs. So, yeah, they didn't have it all their own way against sort of the, the late blossoming Chiefs. So, you know, it, it's a good chance for the Brumbies. That other um, semi-final will be the Crusaders-Hurricanes. Crusaders getting up over the Highlanders and the Hurricanes um, you know, scoring a few points, but he's also leaking a few points, getting up 35-28 over the Bulls. So, quick thoughts on that one, guys. Crusaders favourites. Matt, you know, you, you'll never need to really bet against the Crusaders in a finals, would you? Oh, no, you wouldn't, would you? No. Yeah, they're, they're, on, they're, they're on one of the great runs at the moment, the Crusaders, in terms of multi-year dynasties. Um, you know, probably to go match their one in the, in the early 2000s. But, um, yeah, and really the only blip they've had is a a loss to the Waratahs of all people. And, um, <laughs> and you know, that was after some things went down in Christchurch, obviously. But, um, you know, th- they're almost unstoppable at this stage. You, you'd be mad to, to back against them, against anyone. Yeah, they're a remarkable team because, you know, they're not filled with the McCalls and Carters and whatnot of of, of, um, of yesteryear, but they're, um, they're still producing the goods. Um, we should just touch on maybe, We've talked about the Brumbies and we wish them well over there. Let's touch on quickly, uh, you know, I guess those other teams, the the, the way the Rebels, the Brumbies, uh, the Rebels, the Waratahs and the Reds finish the season, I guess more specifically where they're going next year. There's a massive state of flux with Australian at the, Robert, at the moment. The interesting developments at the Waratahs here with um, uh, Dave Gibson, Daryl Gibson, sorry, moving on, um, particularly on the back of Simon Cron not too long ago. Yeah, it's a mess. I'll, I'll just say it's it's depressing given the amount of marquee talent walking out the door. Uh, <laughs> Matt, yourself, the Tars. I mean, what he was saying is you know, on the back of Gibson, there's all those you know experienced, high class, world class players walking out the door as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you've pretty much got every piece of um, experience walking out that door. I suspect that might have been what did it for Gibson. 
yeah yeah you know i don't i don't know i i, I um but you kind of think hang on what changed two months in the last two months that yes. meant that because because his quote was oh i've been there seven years and it's time for you know it's new blood well it was like mate you, you know you knew that two months ago yeah. um and so i do wonder but you know suddenly there was maybe a few names announced i think didn't Bernard Foley announce he was off to Japan only um, a little while ago? I think so, yeah. Um, so I think he might have just gone, oh. And, and, I, and, I, and I do know a lot of people don't, wouldn't credit him with this, but when Checker left, there, there was a quite a big exodus at that point as well, and there was all sorts of fallout. And, and he had to kind of try and pick that up. Um, they also didn't have any money because they'd blown it all in that in that year. Um so I would have thought that Gibson thought, right, I'll give this a big, you know, give this a push. And I think in the cold light of day, he might have gone, oh, I don't know if I want to do this yet again, seven mm. years in. Um, it's going to take, especially with all that, with all those levers. Um, yeah. God, it doesn't help though now, does it? Because, I mean, you know, with, and, and Cron gone out the door. I mean, the, the way that I've been reading about it, you know, Georgina Robinson talking about it, she, her phrase was that the board walked at them promising him the top job in 2020. Um, but if oh, I, I'm, I'm not quite sure what I read into that, whether that's sort of saying, uh, you know, whether it was processed or whether they were kind of saying they're not quite sure he's got the chops. I, I yeah. Don't know. yeah, it's interesting, but I, isn't it? But, but it hasn't left them with much. No, it hasn't. Well, I, I think I've said elsewhere, I, I, my perspective of it, Chris Whitaker's had the job in the bag since he returned home. I mean, his brother Ben will be on the will be on the selection panel, I'd imagine. But you know, I, I think that's the way the Waratah, one of Waratah's favourite sons, comes home from France. He's not doing it just to be an assistant coach for long. I, I, I think that was pretty much in the bag for a while. You know, you talk about Bernard Foley leaving. That's a, leads me on to another quick one. I mean, the, all of a sudden there's a glut of there's a, a, a dearth of fly halves. Sorry, with Lily Afano announcing he's going. Quade Cooper, the rumour is he'll go to Japan as well, following his mate Will Genia. Um, and all of a sudden, that's our top three fly halves gone. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, th- there's a couple of replacements there at the Waratahs, young guys, but capable guys. There's not much at the Brumbies. You know, very young guys, very inexperienced guys. And I don't know who they're thinking about. Oh, I guess Matty Tamura at the Rebels, but there's not much beyond that. The Reds obviously lost Samu Karevi, which we've known about for a while. But, uh, you know, this, this loss of talent, but particularly in key positions, means... 2020 is going to be an interesting year for not only Super Rugby for but for the Wallabies. Yeah, yeah, that sounds like a mess. Yeah, it does. Um, all right, we might have met now. We've talked about you know we talked about the, the changeover of players, which which is a good segue into talking about the under 20s. So the Aussie under 20s and 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 their performances over there in um, I think it was Argentina as well. Um, and getting into the grand final on the string of a number of fantastic performances, um, going down the final by one point, I think it was at 24-23 uh, to France, and which was a pretty damn electric game. The first half in particular, the speed was scintillating, and the second half slowed down a little bit as they took shots for goal or positioned themselves. Um, well, unfortunately, a lot of our shots of goal went askew. Um, Will Harrison had a bit of an off day in saying that he had uh, his first few were very wide and then some very long. And Mike McDonald, the halfback, had a very long one. They scored a try pretty much from the kickoff. But France were exceptional. They, you know, wonderful centre combination, a, a classy as fly half, big impactful number eight. Um, but the Wallabies were great too, and, and a lot of fantastic players. And a very exciting period, Hugh. I think you're back with us. 
Um, what do you think it means for us to have this sort of little boost through our 20s? Oh, I think it's it's fantastic. And, and it's a nice little segue from what you were saying before, Reg, because given the amount of talent that, that's leaving our shores um, after the World Cup, couldn't happen at a better time, you yeah. know, because now all of a sudden it's a um, not only have we got a lot of demand for good players, but it looks like we might have some supply coming through, which is um, fairly a, a rare feat. And, and look, the nature of the under-20s World Cup is that, you know, you're not playing many games and often if you can run hot a bit early, then that can tide you through a long way into the competition. And we were lucky with the way that our draw panned out. Yeah. But if you even look, take a slightly longer lens and, it, you know, New Zealand finishing in seventh, Australia finishing in second. And that, that game where we beat the All Blacks, I think it was what, something like 24 um, nil yep. back earlier in the year. Um, that all of a sudden doesn't look like a fluke anymore, does it? You know, then, then, then that was hopefully, um, you know, uh, a better indicator of where the team's at and that he's a genuinely good side and credit to everyone involved. Um, it's um, not only Rugby Australia and the administration of the team, but the Super Rugby teams, and I understand that they approached it a little bit differently this year, um, trying to keep the the, the under twenties together. And and I, you know, did come to a bit of a head with Isaac Lucas. I know where the Reds wanting to bring him in, but the under twenties basically refused to release him. And given his form in that team, you'd suggest that that paid out. Um, yep. You know, uh, which is which is you know fantastic. Uh, in the grand scheme of things, and and looking at that side, I, I think there's there's players right across the field that I can see coming into Super Rugby teams and and performing well. I mean, I thought our tight five was fantastic. Um, you know, really, um, you know, physical and smart, and um, you know, great skills. I thought Lachlan Lonigan, the the hooker, was was fantastic. Um, then you know, into the back row, which was you know pretty fantastic. Yeah, I'm using the word fantastic a lot, Reg, but um, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it, it, it's filling you, filling me with positivity. It's great to have this to talk about. Fraser McWright looks like the next David Pocock at the time where we're losing David Pocock. Yeah. Um, and, and in the backs, you know, there, there was, I think that was where France probably had the edge on us, to be honest, in, in that final where they're 10 um, who had been the, you know, at the previous world cup and that France had won that one as well. So, you know, showing their, their class again, um, their 10 probably just directed them around the field and that kicking was probably the difference. Not that Will Harrison missed anything particularly easy. I thought a lot of his kicks were tough either from distance yeah. or from out wide. Um, and, and the one guy that I, I haven't seen mentioned much, but um, I, I was a real fan of the, the inside center, Noah Lolisio, yes. who, who yes. I think is uh, Brumbies potentially aligned. He is. Yes, um, Queensland the Brumbies, yep. Quite a few people. It's not many people linked with the TAR, sadly. But, um, the, you know, the, all of these guys are going to have a future, and I think there's five in the squad that are going to come back next year, including um, I think it's Will Harrison, number eight, and our winger who has a last name that I struggled to pronounce, but it's Noah Kan. Um, I, 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 I apologies, yeah, apologies to him because um, yeah, Matt, did guy. you get to watch much of the twenties or any of the twenties at all? Yeah, I think I watched about a game and a half, mate, and, yep. and a couple of and a few highlights. So, and unfortunately, I haven't managed to catch the final. Sounds like it was a cracker. Well, I, I don't know how much more I've got to add outside yeah, of yeah. they just they just look like well, they, they just look like you know proper rugby players, like just sort of all rounded, doing a lot of exactly um, 
smaller basics really well, the sort of thing you're used to seeing in a New Zealand team. It was, you know, it's, it, it was quite the opposite of that. Oh, you've got a few flashy ex GPS players who can, yep, um, 100%. you know, yep. who can just do a flash in the pan. A lot of people doing some really good grunt work, showing some really advanced skills, looked really well coached as well for a, you know, scratch side. Um, and, Maybe it's maybe because that maybe that group has been playing together, I guess, through schoolboys or something. But there seem to be some good combos in there. Um, well, I think I think I think this is I think the the pathway is working. Like hmm. I think I think I heard someone say that this is the age when the Junior Gold Cup started back in two fifteen uh, uh, as under fifteen. I don't know if that's exactly right, uh, but it means these guys have been identified and in the system now for a few years. Let alone the new NRC under nineteens. Most of these guys played in last year, um, and then as as Hugh said, they've been together a lot this year. But I think you're right. The coaching has been a standout for me. I mean, this is a tough tournament to play, and I think it's five games over two weeks, um, and, and the Aussies in particular sort of stuck with their core players. Um, and I've said in the past that Australian rugby has a high performance problem at the moment, whether it be the super rugby sides, our sevens teams even, uh, and obviously the Wallabies. They don't perform at a high level, particularly when it's most needed. You know, mm. They'll have spits and sparts and all that sort of stuff, but, but in those big games or they can't back up to a second game, you know, well, you know, get that frustration with the Reds. They have a couple of good performances in a must-win game, they go missing. This mm. team performed at such a high level for the entirety of matches, so consistently, it was amazing. I mean, even that game against England where they had their number eight um, uh, red carded within a couple of minutes, and then England just, you know, we'd already qualified for the finals. England hadn't. They had lots to play for. We didn't. That sort of exacerbated things. But we won the second half there and played some amazing footy. So there's a lot to like about this team in terms of even their mental fortitude. And I think Jason Gilmore, the coach, um, and I think he's had some really good support. And I'm blanking on one of the guys who supports. I know Steve Larkin was involved, but they've had a really good support crew as well. So it, it's it's really exciting for what comes next year. Yeah, well, it may well be arguing, you know, starting to make a big argument for that uh, cohesion argument yeah. that Ben Darwin would make. And, you know, when you've seen those amazing sides of the past, um, you know, those um, the, like the sides that the Yellow Brothers were in and stuff like yes, that. Um, exactly, you know, yeah. they played from schoolboy all the way through. And, you know, yes, there's talent, but also there was those combinations, which, uh, you know, I thought really showed up. And in picking the people, don't forget, what was that second rower who scored the most ridiculous try? Oh, Nick Frost, Nick, yeah. Nick Frost. Nick Frost, yeah. Who goes to the Brumbies, I think. Yeah, exactly. So, And, and with Sam Carter and Rory Arnold leaving, it's a big shot. So Nick's the one that his old man worked for Rugby Australia. So Nick came through the channels down there. I think he played Chiefs Rugby down there. I don't know if any of you guys know if that's right. One of those big no, private I schools. Was, I thought it was maybe not Barker if I saw Oh, that. okay, right. Yeah, but, but, yeah, but then in, he, in the vicinity, yeah. Yeah, then he got signed mm-hmm. by the Crusaders on a development contract and there's uproar while we're losing our Australian school <clears> boys and his old man worked for Rugby Australia and he decides to go and he's come back and he is a complete athlete. He is a phenomenal talent. He's just got such... Fantastic balance, and for a two meter plus um, forward, he's a, a very exciting prospect. Well, that's the thing. Like when he made that break, and I think everyone saw it, was that he wasn't running like a second rower. No, he was exactly. Running, he was running like a winger, and then yeah. we saw him, ne- and then he was a good a foot and a half above everyone else. It was <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. So it's interesting. Well, yeah, we'll see these guys through. I know Jason Gilmore's going around again, which is great. I know he sort of said he doesn't want to see these guys rushed into Super Rugby, but we'll see a few of them. I think Frost will get some game time. I think um, Fraser McWright's already played a couple of games for the Reds off the bench. I think he'll definitely, I think he'll push to start pretty quickly. Um, Harry Wilson, the, the number six um, with the red headgear, I think he could be a ready-made replacement for Scott Higginbotham. You know, maybe start on the yeah. bench, but by the end of next year, he'll be there. Um, and, and there's a few others, I think, obviously. Oh, Will Harrison, the, the, the young fly half, might be a... He'll be competing with Matt Mason for the Waratahs 10 jersey, I'd suggest. Obviously, Isaac Lucas will be there for the Reds. So, Trevor Hosea for the Rebels. Lots of exciting talent, you know, recognising we don't want to rush him, but, God... We need a, a, an injection of talent, and these guys are definitely there. Well, let's, I mean, you know, I think what that will mean is it's not like it's going to fill the void this nice. next year, but, you know, give it two or three years, and especially if they've been given the opportunity because there is that void, and we might have a bit of a golden year, you know, what, yep. I mean, 2022 or something might start to look pretty good. Let's hope so. Um, let's, let's talk more broadly. We touched on the Super Rugby teams, but there's, you know, I think the Wallabies are in Sydney at the moment, or their expanded squad who, in preparing for the World Cup. We don't know that squad. We haven't seen great visibility. But I want to talk about Bolters, I guess. But who's someone from the Super Rugby season, the Aussie, who has forced a change of opinion from you? Who, who you know, you've had to rethink their abilities or what they might add to the Wallabies. Uh, Hugh, anyone sort of stand out for you? Well, really, for me, it's it, it's mainly guys in the Brumbies. I've got to say. Yeah. Um, there you go. And, You're the one I'm going to say. God. Yeah, well, there's there's a few options. Um, Give it to one. I'll I'll say Pete Samu because I, I thought yep. that he might have fallen away after he was bought over with a bit of hype from the Crusaders. Um, played made his Wallaby debut quite quickly, I think, against Ireland, if 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 uh, I can recall correctly. Um, and probably just didn't quite find his niche with the Brumbies, or never did. Um, but in these last sort of this last month, I think he's been absolutely outstanding. And now, you know, with David Pocock having an injury cloud over him, um, and you know, there's a bit of uncertainty in our back row um, outside of Michael Hooper and Izzy Nicerani. I think he's he's on the inside track to make the squad. And if he can, hopefully, this hamstring's not serious, and and he can at least get a chance in the July internationals to prove himself because I think he's been fantastic. There's that uh, word again. Great, yeah. <laughs> great call. I, I agree. I hadn't rated him much towards uh, his Wallaby contributions, but I think he's been sensational so far this season. Um, Matt, which Brumby are you uh, picking? Well, I read our um, – we did a, a write-up uh, a few weeks ago, which was um, – I think it was like the Wallaby Watch team of the season based on yep. – so it was basically based on form. Yep. And um, – so I read down, I read through that, and it had, um, you know, Christian Leliofano at uh, fly half, and yep. and you know, dead set, no questions. And look, in reading that, I immediately went, look, ah, oh, come on, get off it. You got to be, you got to be kidding. From the point of view of, if you just talk in terms of reality, which is that, you know, if it's Checker, he's going to be choosing Foley. Yes. Um, yes. You know, that's that's just going to be happening. But then I, you know, you start to question yourself and you go, well, really, who else could you choose um, in terms of if you were going to be in, in any way on form? And, you know, watching, uh, watching him on, the, on, the, on uh, Saturday night, um, he was by far the form 10 in an Australian jersey, um, uh, you know, well and above all others. 
and he's playing good hard footy. He's he's in combo with probably who should make up most of you know um, a lot of the Australian backline and and even and and even the forward pack. Uh, so you start to go, mm, you know, why wouldn't you be um, thinking that way? There's there is something I've got a reservation in my head about you know when we've tr- we've tried to play with him at ten before and it just hasn't worked out uh, for the Wallabies. Maybe that was a few years ago now. But um, and you know because he got kind of shuffled around a few positions for a while there. Yeah. But you know how do you deny him that for this from this season? Yep, hundred percent. Again, another one. And look, I rated him, but I but I didn't think would see him back to the level he is now. I, I, yeah, I didn't think he'd be, ever be a serious Wallaby candidate, and he most definitely is. I'm hundred percent with you. He'd be my Wallaby ten for sure. Um, it's an amazing performance. But I'm going at Brumby too. And mine's a Wallaby. Mine's an established Wallaby. Mine's Alan Alastoa. Um, he, I, I thought he was on the verge of. I thought he's always a good player. Um, you know, last year he battled with Taniela Tupo and Sakopi Kepu for the Wallaby spots. And I'd probably going into this year probably had those two ahead of him uh, in my World Cup squad. But Alastoa, and I think if you go through those Wallaby watch teams, I think he's tight head 90% of the games. Um, he has just made that number three jersey his own this year. He's been superb. His scrummaging, fantastic. His ball running has been excellent, you know, without the big, um, you know, Tupo or, or Kepu long-distance runs that we expect, you know, out wide, particularly from Tupo. Alolatoa has been has been an, an absolute beast um, with the ball in hand and a very dependable defensive player. So he, you know, it's an odd one because he is that, you know, what, he's probably played 30 or tests or something like that, but um, uh, he, he has just made the three jersey his own this year, and I'm, I'm, it's, it's fantastic to see um, that in that, so that. That's what depth does, sort of thing. So he has been um, a, a real standout for me, and, and is my most definite um, starting tight head prop for the Wallabies. So um, Brumbies all round, hey? And deservedly, I guess you would say, if you look at how they've performed. Yep, exactly. Um, all right, the last one's interesting. So Foxtel under. Um, a bit of financial strain, and we keep hearing that they're going to have to cut back their production costs on um, a number of their sports, and, and rugby is very much apparently in the firing line, as is um, uh, football, soccer. Um, there's already been, as far as we know, some some off-field changes, some um, some Sean Maloney's uh, moved on, or a few other guys, and there's rumours of more to come. But I think more significantly... Um, uh, will be the impact on the sport broader. Matt, you're on the media. What's your feeling on what this does for Rugby Australia and, and um, the impact it may have for the, for the game? Mate, it's just, well, it's, yeah, you're going to have to have a bit of a rethink there because I think it's just going to be less cash. Um, I think people have been sort of predicting this for a little while, but in the longer-term cycles of what they could see coming was that at some stage, over-the-top um, services... You know, potentially like something like an Amazon or something yep. like that. Well, we know we'll, we'll start come to the market with a bit of money, but in the meantime, um, the only money in the market was in pay TV. Now, as pay TV, as the question highlights, starts to falter, um, you know, because of the emergence of a lot of these OTT services, you just got a gap. Um, and yeah, I think all many sporting codes are going to suffer. Uh, and I think uh, Aussie rugby is going to be one of them. You've got to remember the only time, the only reason we got so much funds last time was because there was a bidding war going on in the yeah. UK between Sky and BT. That's and, right. And that's, that's right. And, and, that, and that's over. So, 
yeah, it really changes the complexion. I mean, the one thing it does do is, I mean, and which will then, I think, force some serious thinking about like how many provinces and, and all this sort of stuff can you can you afford, um, especially when there's still rumours of how much money is going down the drain in, in Melbourne, I think. Um, well, when I say drain, how much money is being um, soaked up in Melbourne. Um, so I think, yeah, it might force a few rethinks. But the one thing I did see in the, I think I saw it in the papers today, it was about Channel 10 starting to sniff around. Um, right. about, you know, I think they're a bit desperate for some sporting um, content, um, considering just about everything else is divvied up between um, seven and nine. Yeah. Um, you know, and so, yeah, they started sniffing around about, you know, the potential of um, a super rugby match on a Friday and a Sunday night. And if that was the case, then a bit of you know a bit of free to air wouldn't um, wouldn't go astray. Yeah, indeed. Uh, Hugh, uh, there's an interesting article that you know you probably haven't had a chance to read it. Just again, it's on the Rugby Australia website. But you know, I'm reading it right now. Rich. Oh yeah, so they they're talking about free to air, but when they talk about free to air, they talk about a lot of live streaming and all the content they have in the NRC and so on. Um, it's going to have to take some creative creative play to um, keep rugby. On the screens, I guess. Yeah, it, it is. And unfortunately, much like the Israel Falah saga, the forces of the universe have seemingly conspired against rugby because, you know, it feels like two years ago they were paying massive overs for the NRL and AFL pay TV. And now the cupboard's bare and you feel like just a timing thing. Yeah. You know, out. And, sorry, Reg. Yeah, go on. Sorry. Yeah, subscription services on the way out, and, and unfortunately the timing, now rugby has to knock on the door and ask for more cash when there's not much rattling around in the Foxtel tin. Um, so that's a problem, um, and especially with you know the amount of talent leaving, we're tied to super rugby that's not doing particularly well, um, and it just doesn't seem like there's there's a huge amount of, of, of interest in the game more broadly. The only thing I'd say that might might help us is that the profile of rugby fans being, you know, to be to be pretty blunt, richer, yeah. um, and you know, a, probably a higher yielding uh, target for advertisers is is the only thing that works in our favour because you just wonder how many people uh, have Foxtel solely for rugby, and yeah. and and also it's it's the only place you can watch it. So if Foxtel want to walk away from it, or you know. We have to look at something else, and you've got to wonder. Fox, you know, Foxella playing a bit of a dangerous game because not they don't have any subscribers left, and I'd suspect a fair few would walk away if they dropped the rugby. Yeah, yeah, that that's definitely the anecdotal evidence that I hear. I mean, not on on, on massive numbers, but a lot of people I speak to are, are you know got it back in nineteen ninety six or whenever it started on, on the back of Super Rugby, and will be more than happy just to walk away if they if it if it goes. So. Yeah, a big consideration for Fox there. Um, yeah, interesting times. I don't know how Raylene's sleeping at the moment with dealing with the easy stuff, the the Foxtel news, let alone the whole broadcast rights and and um, the structure of Super Rugby going forward. It's a it's a you know sports uh, sports administration is not the glamorous role people think it is. It's um it's it's pretty high pressure and there's a lot of passion behind it. So yeah. we'll have to uh, see what ends up. Well, it's like pick your extinction event. Isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, is it going to come quick with Izzy, or is it going to take a bit longer with Foxtel? Yeah. But um, yeah. yeah, one way or the other, you know, just you know, meanwhile, while the while the crowds keep slipping away, um, it's uh, yeah, yeah, and yet, you know, there's that little bit of ray on the, you know, light of 
chink of light on the horizon with the under 20s, but even a really good Wallabies team to come through, geez, I don't know, you know, you'd have to win a couple of World Cups in a row to pull this one around earlier. The first one we'll win is only a few months away. So, you know, <laughs> you'll, <laughs> we'll be the first ones at the parade. The Iceman. <laughs> the Iceman coming. That's right. <laughs> All right, lads, that's going to wrap us up uh, tonight. Thanks for your input. It's great to get back together and talk rugby with you both. Um, let's do it again sometime soon. We can't. Well, when's, when's when the first is. Wallabies game, Reg? Well, we've got to be close. It's got to be less than a month away now. Um, yes, you would be exactly right. Semi-finals next week. Then, obviously, the grand final. Uh, it must be... I've got Wallabies-Argentina at Suncorp. Is that the first game on the 27th of July? Could be. I Could don't know be. if that's the we've first game. We've got some average for that. Because so, yeah, because we don't we don't play the Kiwis first up, so that may be it. I don't know, but anyway, we yeah, you're right. We're only weeks away, so maybe we'll, we'll, we'll endeavour to get together again before the Wallaby season to talk teams and squads and 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 everything else that's going on at the time too. But Matt and Hugh, thanks very much, and to Nick in the production booth, we appreciate that, um, and to all our listeners, thanks for joining in, and and we look forward to hearing back from you. Give us some feedback and your thoughts on the GoFundMe and all that sort of stuff, but. Uh, Interesting times for Australian rugby. Let's go Brumbies this weekend. Eels off the top. Larkham. Herbert smashes through the middle. Regan. Drop goal from Larkham. Up it goes. Could you believe it? Larkham has to be a de Beer.